Hello and welcome to Franchise Radio. Today we've got an expert on the line, um, and Peter Peter Knight is a an unusual accountant. Um, his background essentially is one of being an entrepreneurial accountant. He's a CPA, and he's also set up and run a number of businesses over the last seven years or so. Plus, he owns an accounting practice, so he's got a lot of background to pull on. So he can help people make sense of financial information in the franchise space. So this is critically important and why I've, I'm thrilled to have him here with us today. He can help you and your franchisees make the sorts of decisions you need to make about money in business. He, he runs workshops as well um, on business and financial management for franchise groups and small businesses and so on. And what I like about Peter is everything simple language. It's practical, real life and uh, down to earth. So he communicates on a one-to-one -one real sort of level. He's a great speaker. I've seen him a number of times. And he's the founder of the Franchise Accountants Network, which is a group of accountants around Australia specialising in franchising, which up until now I think has been a service that's, that's really not been available. And uh, he also has another business on a different level called Smart Franchise that works with franchise groups and so on in all that financial area. He's also uh, a past president of the CPA Australia New South Wales and is called upon from time to time to judge for the National Small Business Awards. So he's got lots of experience he brings with us today. Peter, good, how do you do? And thank you for joining us. Hi, Brian. Great to be here, and uh, thanks for having me on board. That's, that's a pleasure. The title of today's um, uh, radio show is very simply, How to Maximise Your Profits Accounting for Franchisees. And I expand on that by saying, when franchisees are profitable, franchisors are profitable. So hence, for our audience here at How to Franchise Simply, this really is the hook. So we're going to emphasize the benefits for the franchisor in making sure their franchisees are well accounted for when it comes to these issues. Uh, what I'd like to do is to bowl off. Do you have anything you'd like to add to your background um, at all, Peter, as far as that's concerned? Oh, from the background point of view, probably the one thing I would add would be that the focus that I've had in accounting has been working with my clients on two angles. The first one a lot of clients who are making good money often say is, well, what can we do about the tax bill? Can we make that, <laughs> <laughs> can we make that go a bit lower so we can talk about tax? That's fine. But really at the heart of it is how do we make the business go better? So part of the, the work that I do is on the operational side, but I know that you're very much involved in that and got, you're all over that and that's that's a, a credit to the work that you do. And so the focus then becomes, well, from the financial management point of view, how can we work with business owners to improve profitability and help them manage their cash flow better? I haven't met a business owner yet who's not interested in increasing profit. It's what drives people. I mean, I, 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 I don't think profit's a dirty word. <laughs> it's simply, it's I see Profit as a measure of your success. So, without going too yeah, far off track, absolutely, let's get the ball rolling. I agree with you. On so, that. Yeah. What, what are some ways, you know, to maximise profits off the top of your of your head? Yeah. The, the the good starting point, I think, on this one is just to think about what is the what's the formula that's used to calculate profit. Let's just look at that as the starting point, and it's really straightforward: sales or income less expenses equals profit. So when you look at it like that, there's really only two areas that you can work on, sales and expenses. 
So the obvious answer is to increase profit, you could increase sales or reduce expenses. Therefore, mathematics will say you'll increase profit. Yep, absolutely. That makes sense. It's profound, isn't it? It is. It is. You bring, you bring down the certain facts of things. We tend to make life too complicated. But we make it too complicated, and clearly that's the helicopter view, and it sounds so simple, but really it's when you scratch underneath that to dig deeper when, when that the, the opens up the opportunity to find out, well, what's underneath something so simple? Because surely there's more to it than that. So, so you, you're leading into saying, what are the not-so-obvious things? Because those key yeah. elements you mentioned are in your face. Yeah, they're in your face. So to me, the, the, it's, the, it's in the subtleties, the things that are not so obvious, that maybe there's more opportunity or are worthwhile digging around. So, for instance, when we say reduce expenses, that's an obvious way of increasing profit. What if we turn that on its head and say, well, what if you increase expenses? What does that actually mean? What does that imply? So, for instance, if we say, let's reduce telephone expenses, what does that mean? It means we're on the phone less. It means we're ringing up less people. So if you turn that on its head and say, well, what if we increase telephone expenses, what does that mean? Or what does that imply? It means we're on the phone more. And who would be on, who would we be on the phone to? We'd be ringing up customers. We'd be ringing up people who are not yet customers. We'll be ringing up prospects. We might be ringing up people of influence. We might be ringing up people who could refer prospective customers to us. So to just say simply cut expenses, we need to consider that more, more deeply, I think. So because Sorry, carry on. In some of these, in some ways, to increase expenses, that can have a greater effect on profit. Now, that's just looking at the expenses. From the sales point of view, the obvious answer is increase sales. Well, let's have a think about that. Could it be possible to decrease sales and increase profit? It seems so counterintuitive. The obvious answer is no, that won't work. But let's just think about it. What if the business has been driven by let's get any sale because any sale is a good sale? What if we've been throwing a whole lot of resources of the business, tying up resources, consuming resources, just to get the sale? But what if, in fact, it's not a good sale? What if there's low margin on the sale or there's a repeat needed or a rework needed or warranty or follow-up or extra time and resource gets consumed following up that sale that we chase down just to get our sales targets? That's Sometimes refuse... I say that, that's, that's very perceptive because it is so easy to go chasing your traditional sources of business in other words, you know, maybe you're out there and you're going out to symposiums and you're going to workshops and you're going to lots of networking and you're having people out for dinners and whatever it might be, 
spending a lot of money and maybe using traditional media for advertising. And as you say, you're chasing the sale, but at what cost? Because you may be close to your sales targets, but what you've done is blown your expenses out the window in the process. Yeah, sorry, carry absolutely on. The, ab- absolutely the point. So, so rather than the, 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 the motto for the business being you know, chase down every sale, perhaps the motto could be not every sale is a good sale. Now, please don't hear me saying don't have a sales target. <laughs> I'm not saying that. I'm saying consider the sales activity and consider the resources that get consumed to win that sale. I like that. It's a matter of making optimally profitable sales so that you need to have your KPIs, you need to know what your costs are, but maybe you're, maybe you're expanding that business and trying to push it beyond its capacity and effectively yeah. then then your then your your view is very legitimate isn't it yeah yeah that's great i've seen i've seen it at work where losing a couple of customers mm. has increased the profit for the business because they were actually they were if you rated the clients <laughs> or customers we've, we've all got a b's and c's these these clients should have been in the category for d mm. which means they may have been generating the income but at what cost yeah. Yes. So, but, and, and another way to reinforce that then, if there's sales commissions that get paid, because sales guys will just chase whatever they can to get the sales, that you pay the commission on the gross profit of the sale, not just on the sale on the top line. Absorb mm. some of the costs in there. If there's product, so cost of goods sold goes off that. So you've got gross, gross profit, and you pay your sales commission on the gross profit of the sale. It's a really good way of reining some of those expenses in. I hadn't thought of that before. It's like a, the equivalent of a trailing commission, but it's payable subject to the, to the results, the profit results of that particular sale. Yeah, yeah. But that's just for those instances mm, where there is okay. a sale, the bonus or incentive to, to sell. Yeah, yeah. It's factor in some of the cost of that sale. Well, that's relevant for franchisors when it comes to recruiting if they're using brokers and those sorts of things. So that's interesting. So in keeping the ball rolling, when you try to increase those profits, what are some of the things you've got to watch out for? We may have touched on a couple of things, but, but you know, I'm interested in going down this path, if that's okay with you. Yeah, no, that's, that's good, that's good. Some of the things to watch for when it comes to sort of just, just shooting for anything to increase profits, expenses, cutting expenses will give you the most immediate impact hmm. on profit so if you if you cut staff or you cut a significant expense immediately you'll get the benefit for that the danger of going too far with that is probably what I'd like to talk about if you cut back too far so what does that mean if you're providing a product to customers and you say no we've got to cut costs we've got to cut costs well you can cut costs and that'll immediately be of benefit but what's the impact of that? Have you compromised some of the quality in the offering that mm. you're delivering? Mm. Maybe if you've got staff and you're cutting costs on staff, what does that mean? Maybe maybe you then get someone at a lower hourly rate, and what does that mean? Maybe they're not as proficient in their activity. Maybe they haven't been trained as well as they should be in that role. Maybe they're customer service or the way they deal with customers is not at the level that they it should be 
that suits your business because we're not paying the right money. There are certain expenses that you just can't cut. If you're renting, okay, you've got to have some premises. If you're paying, if you want the lights on, you've got to pay your electricity. If you need a car, you've got to, you've got to pay for a car, you might have a car lease or a car loan. So some of these costs you just can't cut. It really then means, okay, let's get them down to as low as we can. So we talked before about having some telephone expenses. It means still being diligent and making sure you've got the best telephone plan. Shop around, make sure you've got a good deal, but don't stop using the phone. <laughs> that, that's that's you know I've not heard anybody really come at that 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 sort of issue in the same way before, Peter. So that that's fascinating me. You've got me, and I. Uh, oh, it's it's well it's it's a forensic view. So how how do you undertake this sort of forensic research, if you like, in in working with your clients to 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 to, to review and analyse these things? Yeah, it's great. The the starting point where I like to go is, is is the big question that probably is one of the hardest ones to answer and it's to ask the client how much profit do you want to make <laughs> so they need to actually say well I want to make 50 grand 100 grand 200 grand a million I, I don't care just tell us what the number is and that's the profit so we know then from the formula sales less expenses equals profit if we're starting with profit, we then just have to work up, back upwards to see what expenses need to be. And then it's arithmetic because that then gives us our sales target. If we hit that sales target with this given level of expenses, well, then the profit just flows automatically. And it's one thing to do that with the numbers, but probably the bit that I find more fun than anything is to say, sit back and have a look at it all and say, okay, there's the number. What do we have to do at a business level and therefore at a strategic level to make sure that we can hit those numbers? So in other words, That's you've good. gone through and you've, you've, you've done some analysis, you've got some formulas together, you've got a nice spreadsheet there, you can play around with the numbers and put something in the bottom, it gets spat out the top, blah, blah, blah. So then you're faced yep. with the next step, and I'm interested to see yep. where you come in here, is, is you know, key ways of actually building the sales. Yeah. One of my favourite areas, which is possibly a little bit unusual for an accountant to get so excited about <laughs> sales, but there's there's four ways, and if there's the golden, it can't be a golden triangle if there's four, can there? But these are the four golden rules for how to increase sales. And every client that I work with, we, we go through these, and they actually become foundation pieces for the strategy for the business. So number one, Increase the number of customers you have. So what drives that? That is getting new customers. So it, it is about acquisition. What does the business need to do to acquire new customers? That's only one part of it. We're still within number one here, increasing the number of customers you have. At the same time, as you're looking to increase the number of customers you have, you must do everything you can to hang on to the customers you already have. And that's called retention. So on one hand, you've got acquisition, which is about going out there getting new customers. 
And at the same time, you've got a retention strategy, which is what do we have to do or what does the business have to do to keep the customers we already have happy, satisfied and sticky to the business. There is more competition out there at the moment than I've ever seen and the offers and the uh, the, the attractiveness that other um, your competitors are putting out there to lure your customers away from you, I've never seen it greater. So it's no good just trying to get new customers if all your existing customers are going out the back door. It's like filling up a bathtub, <laughs> trying to fill up a bathtub, you got the tap running full blast, but you haven't put the plug in. Gee, you hang I, on to the customers um, you've already got. This, this, this highlights something. When we talk about increasing the profits and making sure that you don't cut your expenses too far, I think about people like Telstra. We don't mind sharing their name, do we? Because you, you, you can no doubt all recall how when, as they've moved a lot of their support offshore, the quality of some yeah. of their support has changed, so they've lost a lot of customer loyalty. Yeah. They're working hard to get that back now, and they've done a, a much yeah. better job, but nevertheless, that's what it did. So they certainly lost a lot of the people that have been account holders for them for, for years and years and years yeah. because they didn't yeah, give enough thought to it. Okay, all right. Yeah. So just, on, just to keep going just a little bit more on the mm, getting new do. customers, mm. probably the, the one thing I'd put in brackets... And if we go back to the discussion at the very beginning of this discussion was to get new customers, so from an acquisition perspective, we don't just want any customer. We actually want them to be good customers for the business, so that means profitable or people who will refer other customers to us. So again, don't just grab any customer that's breathing <laughs> for, or, or, or is alive, you actually want them to be good for your business. And we talked before about increasing sales, to, but yet there are costs incurred maybe for that. So be selective as to the customers we want. You want and A's and B's. We want A's and B's. Now, for some of the businesses that I know are going to be listening to this, we're just taking everybody. And if it's a retail situation, you can't really choose. Or can you? Well, maybe you can with your pricing. So maybe the price you charge lets the customers select themselves whether they want to deal with you or not. So at least if you price point it at the right level, those that are coming on board, well, at least, you can, at least you're getting a good return for the service and the product that you're offering. Yes, and that's the technique that's used in branding of a lot of electrical goods and hi-fi, you know, the Bang & Olufsen's and the, the Audi's yeah. and all these sorts of things. So you're paying, and because it's dearer, more expensive investment, irrespective of quality sometimes, you you naturally feel that you're getting better value. Yeah, yeah. Mm, okay. we'll, keep, we'll keep going. So that was mm, number one. Mm. Number one, in, increase the number of customers that you have. Number two, the second of the golden rules, Increase the dollar value that they spend each transaction. So every time they deal with you, what can you do to increase the amount they spend with you? You see, when you're at the pointy end, when you're actually at where they're buying something, all the hard work's been done. You've got them into the business, 
the marketing activities, the promotions, the advertising campaigns, it's worked. Might be the website, might be your Twitter feed, might be LinkedIn, whatever you're using to get inquiry. You've got them. Now you're actually right at the point of making the sale. What can you do? What else can you offer? Maybe it might be an upsell. It might be a cross-sell. What can you do at that moment to increase the amount they spend with you? Now we know one of the most famous phrases in the English language and we give thanks to McDonald's every day. <laughs> Would you like fries with that? Mm. That is a beautiful phrase. Mm. Not because I like fries. Actually, I do. But it's not just an upsell. This is the beauty of that phrase. It's a suggestive sell. They're not saying, do you want something else? They're saying, would you like fries with that? Or if you've already ordered fries, would you like a hot apple pie with that? They offer something else. So it's a suggestive sell. So it's not enough to just say, oh, do you want something else? Mm. Suggest something. So then think about what you're going to suggest. Why not suggest something that's got good margin in it for you? Mm. It might not be expensive at a price point, but there's good margin, good gross profit in it on that product for you. So even though the first thing they come to buy might not have a whole lot of profit in it, if you can suggestive sell or upsell another item that has got good gross profit in it, it increases the gross profit on that transaction. That's uh, yep. That's uh, that's that's fascinating research. And I've got a couple of more questions that this creates really. So <laughs> inevitably, how, how, yeah, how we, we, got, we got to keep it the, moving. We got to keep it moving because yeah, so we'll get, well, while we get going, let, let's, let's yeah. get the number. We'll get the number three. Yeah, fire on. So the first one: in, increase the number of customers. Number yeah. two: increase the dollar value they spend. Yeah. Number three: increase the number of times they deal with you. Increase the number of times they deal with you. One of the best examples I've got for this, so we're trying to get the customers to come back one more time a year. So accountants were so happy when Paul Keating brought in the fringe benefits tax because the financial year ends on 30th of June for nearly every business. But the the year for the fringe benefits tax ended on the 31st of March. <laughs> so that means for all those clients that have got fringe benefits tax, they've got to go see their accountant again. Accountants love that we still give thanks to Paul Keating. So that's easy for the accountants to say and have a chuckle about that one. But what about the other businesses that are out there? One of the best examples that I've actually worked with a client on this one was a, a lady's dress retailer. Not a not a modern sort of for your young uh, your late teenagers or young young women. It was more oh, probably the sort of store you'd you'd see your auntie in or your sort of your mum would go to. It was a more of an old elderly ladies dress shop. Mm-hmm. And we talked about these these things exactly these steps that I'm going through with you and we worked out Leslie was the name of the store owner. Everyone that came into the store once we started this promotion, we bought a, a very big diary, like a big calendar diary, and had it on the counter. When people would come up and make a purchase, she would ask, what's your birthday? 
not year, not what year, mm. but what you know, day and month. And then, as the and it took oh, months to fill this up, and we continued running the the promotion. Then, when it was somebody's birthday, she'd send them out a promotion of, of a special offer. Mm. And one of the ones we ran was, "Come in for your birthday." It was a letter, so we had to have their address. Send them out a letter and a little promotion card that said, "Happy birthday." This month of your birthday, come in and bring this voucher and you'll get $21 off because we know that everybody turns 21 on their birthday because they're <laughs> a little bit older. And come in for your free pair of Shea Pirelli stockings. As far as the ladies are concerned, that's a very fancy brand of stockings. And you see, we did a deal with Shea Pirelli to get a whole lot of stockings. And because we bought so many, we've got a fantastic purchasing power to get a good deal on these stockings. Uh, I can't even remember, but three or four dollars each, and they'd retail for eleven to fifteen. So, good incentive for us to get the ladies back into the store to get their gift. They bring in their voucher and get twenty-one dollars off whatever was their purchase. Brilliant. Brilliant. What, what, are they, your what the lady said. To, sorry, just what Leslie said to me after that promotion. We ran it for two years. Well, she sold the business, hmm. and she said the figures. The, oh, and the figures proved it. She got an extra month's worth of sales in the year. So she, when she sold the business, she said, "I'm selling you this business with this strategy, and you're actually getting a business that has 13 months worth of sales every year." Because there's a whole month's worth of extra sales that come in from the birthday from the birthday club promotion. Lovely, I love that. And all your fixed costs are the same anyway, so your margins increase. The same. Yeah. Yep. So that's the question I pose to every listener. Um, you're a franchisor. What are your pair of stockings? I think you need to work that out and uh, get on to that one. That's uh, yep. right. Okay. So you run through the three. Is is are there others? Yep, one, one more. Last, last one. Mm -hmm. That's all right. The number four, number four ways. The fourth way to build your sales: increase your conversion rate. Yeah. Increase your conversion rate. Converting a prospect or an inquiry into a sale. So we've got these inquiries, and prospects come along, and some we win some and we lose some. If you actually count up the number that you've just that just disappear. Mm a heap of sales that are out there. What could we do? What do we need to do to increase our conversion rate? Is it the way we answer the phone? Is it the way that we deal with them? Is it the way we put up a proposal? Is it the way that we frame our offering to the public? Even a small increase, like 10% increase in your conversion rate. Because the hard work's done. You've got them already in, either in the store or you've got them coming to your website. You've done the hard bit. Now, is it maybe you need some sales training? Maybe the, the frontline people, maybe the people that are dealing with those new customers need a little bit of guidance, a bit of mentoring, a bit more training. Don't cut costs there. Invest in those people. Support your salespeople so that they're not just order takers. Yeah, what do you want? Can I help you? No. Really help them guide the purchaser, the customer, to make a better decision that helps everyone. 
Excellent. I love that. Peter, you're not the average accountant. I'm really glad that <laughs> I managed to twist your arm to get you here today because there's some invaluable yeah, content you. there. Um, so, okay, so we're looking at, you know, building sales, part of increasing profits. We're talking about growing revenue. What other areas do you see? You've shown us a little bit of ways of increasing sales. Well, quite a number of interesting approaches there. What about yeah. other than sales? Yeah, the sales and marketing is, is key to a business. You've got to get the customers in. Mm. But as far as profitability, it's more than just sales. So I think an area that often gets ignored from a productivity point of view is the operations area of the business. So what can be done internally to get the job done faster, quicker, better, more efficiently so that you can deliver on your promise whatever that is to your customer, in a more efficient way without incurring extra costs. It's a, mm. it's a, it's a huge mm. area, but I'll, I'll probably leave it there. Yeah, we could spend a day on that one, I'm sure, and, uh, yeah, and it would all be sure can, but mm. Mm. No, yeah, it, it, Some people will be listening to this going, yeah, I know what to work on there. Hmm. So make a note of what it is you need to do and do that one. Coming back to the broader picture, yeah, absolutely. Coming back to the broader picture about yeah, what, how do you see the importance of you know overall of financial aspects when it comes to a business? Yeah, for for my part, it's it's critical, and it's critical to keep your eyes on it at least monthly. Um, there's a client that I've got right now who um, took a holiday for six weeks. He's been in business for 13 years. He had a manager in place. And he's come back, and the it's a plumbing business. The business has changed so dramatically hmm. in six weeks. It's, um, well, it's in intensive care. Wow. It's, it's all hands on deck. We've got, we're in a turnaround situation. The, the business is so volatile at the moment. Things are happening mm -hmm. so quickly. It's, it's, well, I'm getting a touch of turbulent times down down here anyway but some are going really well some are a bit bumpy some are a bit patchy so you must be keeping an eye on your financial situation at least every month right then I, I can appreciate the importance that's so easy as you say take your eye off the ball particularly if you uh, you know he was fortunate enough to have a holiday or they were um, but there's other things. Well, there's other things that distract you in business. You you get onto other things, and you think, oh, well, that'll take care of itself. Uh, but the truth is, yeah. this 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 really is is the thermometer of the business. And it wants your health. Yeah, it's a thermometer. Yeah, once the health of your I won't go too far with the analogies, but once once the health yeah. of the of the cash flow um, and your budget starts to deteriorate, man, you need to get into it. Otherwise, as you say, it's intensive care. So this is an area yeah, where. Right. Yeah, sorry, carry yeah, on. I was just going to say, I, li I like that one, and I do like the analogy with the health, um, because we actually do refer to a business health check, mm -hmm. and I think it's I think it's a good thing to, to check the temperature on a regular basis. And, and one tip that I would give the listeners is, is this. Some people are saying, well, I can't really get the figures on a regular basis. I've got to wait for the accountant, or there's all sorts of excuses that, that we hear. But you see, there's... There's a couple of times a year where every business does have the opportunity to have a good look at their figures. So every quarter, millions of businesses in Australia have to do their BAS, their business activity statement. So to do your business activity statement, either your bookkeeper or your accountant, or unless you're doing it yourself, you've done your figures to prepare your BAS. 
Now, they're the same figures that'll give you a good snapshot of the performance of your business. So at the very least, there is no excuse to say, I can't see the performance of my business every quarter because the figures are being done to prepare your BAS. I think the next step, though, needs to be what are the right figures to look at and then (laughs) what are the figures telling me. I think that's another teleconference for that one. (laughs) But we do need to keep track and at least every quarter we know we're getting the figures from doing the business activity statement. All right, so you get your BAS done and that's, you know, some people say that's the best thing that happened to business in lots of ways because it means for a lot of small businesses it's compulsory. They can't leave it every year or 18 months or whatever. So where do you see, for the average business owner, realistically, what do you see the accountant's role as far as that's concerned? How can they help? Yeah, I, I am biased towards accountants because there's there's plenty of good accountants out there and probably, if anything, it's a bit sad that a lot of accountants have have a reduced role um, in the business world of being scorekeeper and that many business people, actually many accountants, just see that all they do is keep score, that all we do is tell our clients how much money they've made or how much tax they have to pay, I think accountants have a great um, skill base and opportunity to help their clients in a range of other ways so we can do more than just do the tax so one of the things we just mentioned there was if we see our clients every quarter to do their BAS why don't we have a conversation at the same time saying well let's have a look at the performance of the business these are the key areas that we should be looking at one of the great thing about accountants is they're usually pretty conservative. Now most entrepreneurs out there are not conservative. (laughs) That's actually their very nature and that's why they are entrepreneurs. So an accountant can be a great sounding board to bounce ideas off. They will take a very, often, the ones that I know, take a very considered view and will listen to the client, try to work through the issues with them You want to be careful that they don't just put cold water on a good idea because Mm. accountants are conservative. Uh, We tend not to be risk takers, but don't let that stop a good idea. And if it's a measured risk or you're at least aware of what the risks are um, and you still consider it's a good idea to pursue, well, then certainly do do that. Accounts are actually trained um, to look at risks. It's part of what we have to do to become an accountant. And so that's a very good point that we can be working with our clients to assess the risks. Uh, I mean, if we, if all of us were too worried about risks, none of us would leave the house every day because of all the risks of just living life. We need to be, we need to be doing things on a regular basis. One of the other key things accountants can do and should be doing with our clients is a deeper analysis of the figures. So to have a profit and loss statement that's just got one line for income, that says sales, that's not enough. We need to know what type of sales. Have we got a category, or can we can we split them by category of sales? Are there different types of products that we're selling or different types of services that we're selling? We need to see how much of the revenue or how much percentage comes from each of these different lines or service lines. It's no good to just have income. We need to have more detail. There's detail there, so let's have a look at it. Also, let's have a look at which of our customers are spending how much with us because that's going to indicate which customers we need to treat with 
cotton wool and wrap them up and not let anyone touch them. They're our A-class clients or maybe A-plus. Then which clients are a bit less? Bs. A B is actually an opportunity. Can we? Can, what do we need to do to get a B client up to an A client? And same goes down the line. If you've got a C, a C would probably, you don't want to spend too much time and energy, but is there potential there to lift them up to becoming a B class or an A class? Having an analysis of our customer base and how much they're spending, how much profit we're making per customer, may we may realise that there are some customers that are actually hurting the business and we'd be better off to let them go. Right. Okay, look, there's a lot of food for thought there and I can see opportunities really for, for anyone, particularly in franchising, to take advantage of some of that some of that advice there and some of that some of those processes because it does highlight the franchisor's role is really making sure those franchisees are as efficient as possible. So if you yeah. can see ways of improving their efficiency and don't take it for granted, if I can just observe some of the points I've noticed is that, you know, it, it's important to understand if you've got franchisees, you're going to have just the same. They're going to be A's, B's and C's and D's, different levels of performance. And if you can move your B's up to A's, you know, analysing their accounts in some detail, going through these processes that Peter's been describing, he's going to help you do that. It's not just about sales because we all look at the KPIs, but I, I love the, the, the comment you made about looking at them from the other side. You know, possibly you are just putting too much effort into sales and actually profitability is being, being lost as a result. So avoiding growth at all costs. The, the other thing I liked was with regards to your accountant is making sure they're not just scorekeepers. Because you get your P&L done doesn't mean that you comply with all the common sense things you need to analyse the financial performance of your business. So actually getting them actively yeah. involved and, and minimally, say, at that quarterly that quarterly mark when your BAS is done. So that's important. Yeah. Uh, and um, and in, in looking at it, it, it really is a matter of just digging deeper, isn't it, um, Peter, as I see it? Yeah, I think so. Just having a look at the figures and understanding what's sitting behind the numbers and the, the focus today has been on profitability. But at the same time as looking at profit, we need to be aware of cash and what the what the movement of cash is in through the business. So what that means for franchisors, they've got to watch the amount of cash that goes out of their business. So we've talked about that as far as watching their expenses. But for, for franchisors... Money coming into the business for them comes from royalty fees paid to them by their franchisees. So it's in the interest of the franchisor to watch and work very closely with the franchisees to make sure there's not too many arrears, money coming in of royalties that are owed. And also if they're expanding and they're looking to take on new sites or new, um, new franchisees, that the money from them is coming through without restriction and is not being held up because of internal combustions. So I can see obviously the benefits for anyone listening from the point of view of the sorts of the, the sorts of analysis you're talking about, the sorts of forensic research in looking a lot more at the figures. But what I can particularly see is when you've got franchisees to compare, if you do this study on one, you're creating then a template to better look at the other members in your group to better improve their performance. So it gets simpler as you work through it. You're saying, okay, we're finding out now what's an efficient level of sales, what's an efficient level yep. of marketing. We've been spending too much. You know, we don't need yep. to spend that money on, our, on, on television or whatever it might be. 
or maybe maybe even 750 square meter stores aren't necessary. We're actually more efficient when they're when they're 500 or 600. So um, that's important a, to look that's at. A profound, that's a profound insight. Um, and it, when you started that comment, I wondered if you were heading down the road of of benchmarking, which is where you compare one against another, and that's awesome. And the benefits you, to a group, to a franchise group, of being able to benchmark the performance of their franchisees is is, is, is almost a thing of legends. But what I love about what you just said, because benchmarking often is sales of one compared to another, profit of one compared to another, you're actually digging deeper and saying, well, not just the sales or the profit, but what about the floor space? What about our marketing spend? So you're actually drilling down to say it's not just dependent on the location, we're actually saying it could be dependent on a whole number of factors that come to play, and it's a, it's a great insight. Look, and that's where franchising is amazing, because if the franchisor operates a business within the group in his own right, or certainly in the earlier stages, by getting these, these, these franchises established, replicating what they do, they're going to find ways to improve their own business as well through the results of their yeah. franchisees. So I see this as being a huge uh, huge bonus. Peter, I'd like to move to wrapping it up. Have you got any closing comment yeah. you'd like to add to that? Yeah, probably the, just the key thing is to never take your eye off the ball. And certainly if there's any franchisors or franchisees that would be interested in having a chat to either myself or any of our franchise accountants. We've got a network of accountants, as you mentioned in the intro, right around Australia, who all understand the same things that we've talked about. We've trained them up in this so that we think not just like normal accountants. And any first meeting that you have with them, we, there's no charge um, to, to us as accountants. And if, if we can look to build a relationship after that, well, that's well and good. But um, if anyone would like to make themselves available, of that offer, they can just touch base with you on that, Brian, and see how we go. Certainly. Look, and maybe could you give us um, maybe maybe a website or a phone number? What's the best way for people to get in touch? Yep. Maybe share that yep. with, ben, with ben, us. Ben. And, and your email ben. as well, if you don't mind. Yeah. Yeah. Perfect. That's great. Thanks. So the website is www.franchiseaccountants.net.au. So franchiseaccountants one word. .net.au. And my personal email address, peter.knight, with a K, at knightpartners, one word with a K, .com.au. That's the accounting firm that I run. Okay, excellent. All right, well, I'd like to leave it there. I've, I've learned a lot <laughs> listening to this. So I'm, I really welcome that, and I know that it's information that will be shared and uh, to everyone's benefit. So thank you very much indeed for your time. I really do appreciate it. And as, as uh, Peter mentioned, you can contact him either directly through the information he gave you there or, or through me. So I'd like to wrap up and uh, yep. say thank you for your time, Peter. Absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me. We'll catch up again soon, Brian. Thanks Absolutely. very much. Absolutely. And goodbye, everyone. I'll look forward to talking to you next when we have our next Franchise Radio Show. Welcome to the Franchise Radio